2, book of Psalms. Psalms number 2. Looking at the names of Jesus in the Bible. There are many. We come to the letter K tonight, and we won't be there long. Just want to look at it. Tonight, Jesus as the King. Jesus as the King. Jesus is the king. This morning we're in a passage about a woman who had a dream. So it's all very good. It's in the holiday of the Spirit. It's time of year. So. I don't know what human savior you might be looking to, but you'll be disappointed. Man can't solve man's problems. The answer to man's problems are King Jesus. Bible says in Psalm number 2, starting in verse 1, why do the heathen rage, and the people imagine a vain thing? The kings of the earth set themselves, and the rulers take counsel together against the Lord and against his anointed, saying, Let us break their bands asunder, and cast away their cords from us. See, men don't want God to show them their lives. They're okay having a God who blesses them to do things. That God requires or demands or, or expects to have control. That's what men want. He that sitteth in the heavens shall laugh. The Lord shall have them in derision. Then shall he speak unto them in his wrath and vex them in his sore displeasure. Yet, this is what he'll say Have I set my king upon my holy hill of Zion? Now look, verse number 2, the kings of the earth set themselves. Verse number 6, yet have I set my king upon my holy hill Zion. There are many men set up by men. There are many rulers who set themselves in power. But there is one king placed upon a throne by God Almighty and his kingdom shall have no end. That king, when he was born in Bethlehem, they called his name Jesus. He is the king. Let's pray. Father, help us tonight to adore, to admire, to appreciate, to love, to respect, to praise, to worship the king that you have appointed, the king that you have enthroned, your dear son, the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, this has always been the issue. Always been the issue. Who is going to have dominion? Who is going to have control? God sitting upon the throne. Lucifer set out with a sin. He sought to overthrow the dominion, the rule, the reign of God. God made a planet, put man upon the planet, gave man dominion upon the earth. And here comes Satan making a run of that planet and trying to take dominion. And since the, since the fall of man, sin setting in the hearts of men, the sons of men, they have vied with God for 6,000 years for supremacy. They have fought against God. They have fought in the name of God. They have, they have sought to do the will of God. They have done contrary to the will of God. But in one way or another, men continually show forth a desire for dominion. When Jesus walked this earth, what was the cry that, that they made against him? We will not have this man to reign over us. 
Be okay with a Jesus that'll heal their blind. They're okay with a Jesus that'll cleanse their lepers. They're, they're okay with a Jesus that'll feed the multitudes when they're hungry. But when that Jesus begins to say, Thus saith the Lord, and, and lay down requirements for living, and when that Jesus says, I am the way, the truth, the life, no man cometh unfathered by me, when he begins to exercise authority and exercise dominion, Men instinctively rebel against that in their hearts. But the Lord said in Psalm number one, uh, when he sees that, he just laughs. You know, it's not hard for God to bring down a king, a nation, an empire, a dictator, a ruler, and he's brought them all down so far. He'll bring them all down in their time, and when it's, it's time for him to establish his kingdom on this earth, he bring them all down at once. There'll be one king left standing. And all of this is said and done. Let's go to our Bibles, the New Testament, come to Matthew 27. First of all, we want to see that Jesus is a racial king. Jesus is a racial king. Though he is not a national god or a national deity, he is, in one regard, a national king. The Bible says in Matthew 27, Matthew chapter 27, Verse number 35, and they crucified him. Verse 37, uh, that's 27-35, and they crucified him. Verse 37, and set up over his head his accusation written, this is Jesus, the king of the Jews. Don't lose Matthew, we'll come right back there in just a second. Luke 23, Luke chapter 23. Luke 23 and verse number 38. And a superscription also was written over him in letters of Greek and Latin and Hebrew. This is the king of the Jews. And then Matthew chapter number 2. Let's go all the way back to his birth. We looked at the, the sign above the cross. Matthew 2 and verse number 1. Now when Jesus was born in Bethlehem in Judea in the days of Herod the king, behold, the king wise men from the east to Jerusalem, saying, Where is he that is born king of the Jews? We have seen his star in the east and are come to worship him. So, first of all, Jesus is a racial king. He came to this earth, born the line and lineage of David, with throne rights to that literal earthly throne on Mount Zion in Jerusalem. And for that end, he was born. For that, to that end, came he into the world. He had a little job to take care of first. Die to pay for the sins of the world. Build a church that would be his body. But when that work is finished, he will return to this earth, and he will set his feet upon the, the Mount of Olives. He will ride through that eastern gate. He will ascend the hill of Zion. He will sit upon that throne and rule and reign on this earth as the king of the Jews. He is a racial king. Now, that's the only explanation for the centuries, the millennia-long hatred that the nations of this earth have for the Jews. There are plenty of other people who could be the object of the world's hatred. There are plenty of other uh, nationalities and racial groups that could draw the continual ire and, uh, of, of other peoples, but it's an amazing thing, no matter where you look in in time, there have always been nations 
who have sold themselves to work one particular evil, the extermination of the Jews. Now, why would that be? Why would that be? Well, they run Hollywood. Well, if they did, that'd be a good reason to get rid of them. But, but, they, yeah. <laughs> but, but no, well, they run the banking system. Look, all that, never mind that. The fact of the matter is, Spain, Germany, Islam, and, and just go down the list, nation after nation since Genesis have been hell-bent, and that's the proper use of the term, on destroying the seed of Abraham. And the only reason for that is that of that race comes the one who will have dominion on this earth and will rule and reign and subject all peoples to his authority and, and the devil does not like that. He does not want that to happen. So if he can kill, as, as in Matthew 2, if he can kill all the male babies when that king is born to try and get rid of that king, he'll do it. In that tribulation time, if he can set up a, a worldwide system, a mark of the beast and a fiery furnace and a guillotine and the rest of that to try and destroy and kill every last Jew, he'll do it to get to that one who's going to sit on that throne. And when he's finished, the Lord will laugh. He'll wipe him off the board, and he'll put King Jesus on that throne just like he said he would. You can crucify the king of the Jews, but you can't keep him from the throne. He is going to reign as he comes. All right, let's go to Revelation 15. He is not only a racial king. He is a king over another race. Not a race born after man, not a race born of blood, not a race born after human will, but a race of those who have been born a spiritual birth by faith. He is, Revelation 5 says, or, I'm sorry, 15, Revelation 15, verse number 3, and they sing the song of Moses, the servant of God, and the song of the Lamb saying, Great and marvelous are thy works, Lord God Almighty, just and true are thy ways, thou King of saints. Who shall not fear thee, O Lord, and glorify thy name? For thou only art holy, for all nations shall come and worship before thee, for thy judgments are made manifest. He is King of saints. Everyone who has received forgiveness of sins is not a member of the New Testament church. Now those from the rap, from, from, from the resurrection of the rapture, New Testament church, born again, believers, made bone is bone, flesh is flesh, part of the body of Christ. But there are those that believe before the church began, were saved by the grace of God, through faith in the word of God. And there will be those after the rapture that will be saved by the grace of God, through faith in the word of God. And all of those people come from different kindreds and different tongues and different tribes and different nationalities. And though we are not of one race, we are of one family called saints in the Bible. Saints in the Word of God. And this same one, Jesus Christ, is the King of saints and will be worshipped as such. Now there's some religions that make individuals who have done extra special good works they have designated them as, as saints. But in the Bible, everyone is designated a saint who has stopped looking 
to men who do extra special good works and have put their faith and trust in the Lord Jesus Christ and those that trust him, the Bible calls saints. Uh, I was uh, was reading, Brother, I believe it was a book, Brother Faith Lonely Read, uh, or uh, another article somebody sent me, but the big example held up again and again and again of a saint is a woman known as Mother Teresa. And it was shocking to the Church of Rome when they found after her death, they got a hold of her diary and were going to publish it as this great work to draw everybody into the Catholic Church and found out that 30 years before her death, she had become an atheist and lost her faith in God, but continued to do what she did because she felt like if you're going to live just one short life, you may as well live a life of sacrifice and of service. But she, she no longer believed there was a God. Now, you know something? If good works make you a saint, and those same good works make you an atheist, let's go back to the Bible definition of saint. A saint is someone who is saved by the grace of God, having put their faith and trust in the Lord's work, not in their own work. And Jesus Christ is the king of saints. Amen. 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 All right, let's look at Hebrews chapter number 7. Hebrews chapter number 7. He's a racial king. He's a king of saints. He is in Hebrews 7. Looking at chapter 7, verse number 20. I'm sorry, 620, 620, right above 7. 620. When the forerunner Israel centered, even Jesus... Made an high priest forever after the order of Melchizedek. For this Melchizedek, king of Salem, priest of the most high God, who met Abraham returning from the slaughter of the kings, and blessed him, to whom also Abraham gave a tenth part of all, first being by interpretation, king of righteousness, and after that also king of Salem, which is king of peace. Now, the wording and the rendering in your in your King James Bible, is very significant. You would, it, it, you would, you would not capitalize president unless it was joined to the name of a president. You would capitalize President Carter, okay? Because because it, or if you said President of the United States, you would capitalize President and United States. But when you capitalize King. But you don't capitalize righteousness. King is therefore the name. Righteousness is not the name. Righteousness is the description of the one who is named king. And our king is righteous. And our king is peace. Now, let me just, I'm going to say this, and this has nothing to do with politics. This this just, it's, it's, an excellent time to illustrate. There will be parades tomorrow for Michael King. That's his name. That's his name on his person. Martin Luther was a reformer. It sounded good for the politics of the day. Put Martin Luther on the name of Michael King. But Michael King could not bring peace on earth. In fact, he never brought peace to the vast majority of his followers. Because Michael King, like every other human being, was not righteous. 
There is only one king with sufficient righteousness and sufficient power to establish a kingdom of righteousness. His name is Jesus. Now, it, my, my king might, might not be your man. Maybe George Wallace was your man, or maybe uh, George Bush was your man, or maybe Ronald Reagan was your man. But listen, no man has ever been sufficiently righteous to set up a kingdom of righteousness. And no man has ever had sufficient power to bring about peace on earth. But the Bible identifies in Revelation 7 one whose name is King. And he is absolutely righteous. And he will use that absolute righteousness to establish absolute peace on this earth. That's our king. His name is Jesus. That's our Jesus. His name is king. He's a king of righteousness. He's a king of peace. Then the Bible says, take a look in 1 Timothy chapter number 1. 1 Timothy chapter 1 and verse number 15. 1 Timothy 1.15 This is a faithful saying and worthy of all acceptation that Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners of a mighty I mean, for this cause I obtain mercy, that it be first, Jesus Christ might show forth all long suffering for a pattern that them should hereafter believe on him to life everlasting. Now, unto the King, eternal, immortal, invisible, the only wise God, be honor and glory forever and ever. Amen. Now, the one true God is eternal. Jesus Christ is eternal. The one true God is invisible. Jesus Christ is the one true God is immortal. Jesus Christ is immortal. The one true God is all wise and only wise. The one true God receives glory and honor. Jesus Christ receives glory and honor. The one true God receives glory and honor forever and ever. Amen. Jesus Christ receives glory and honor forever and ever. Amen. Jesus Christ is the invisible king made visible. He has all the attributes and all the character of God, but he came into this world so that you could behold the invisible God. And that God is the king eternal. Now, in the Bible, there have been some very, very Good kings. The Bible points the finger at a few men and says that was a good king. David is praised in many places by God, but he certainly was not righteous. He was a good king because never in his life, for all his sins and all his failures, he never violated the, the most essential of all precepts. Never did he make a graven image. Never did he form or fashion an idol. Never did he turn us. He might have turned against the commandments of the one true God, but he never turned to another God. 
And the Lord commended him for that and said he was a good guy. Hezekiah. Josiah. Asa. There are names in the Bible of kings who were good kings when compared with all the other kings. But when compared to the king eternal, immortal, invisible, the only wise God, what are we left to conclude? To Jesus Christ be honor and glory forever and ever. Amen. The best kings that men could ever produce pale in comparison to the light and the glory of the Lord Jesus Christ. Not only that, they had this awful habit of dying and never being heard from again. But Jesus entered the doors of death for the purposes of defeating man's great enemy. And then three days and three nights later, excused himself and said, I'll be leaving now. And there was not a thing death could do about it. But watch the victor rise from the grave. So Jesus is the king eternal. And Jesus is now the king immortal. And he's God made visible. So he's our spiritual king. He's our historical king. And then look at Daniel chapter number 4. Daniel chapter 4, slipping back to the Old Testament for a moment. Daniel, the fourth chapter. Let's read verse number 34. And at the end of the days, I, Nebuchadnezzar, lifted up mine eyes unto heaven. Mine understanding returned unto me. I wonder how many people in America tonight, if they would just lift up their eyes to heaven, would have their understanding returned unto them. Now you've got to admit, if you, it doesn't matter where you look in our society, the one overwhelming common denominator is people just seem to be void of understanding. How could you think that that action was going to result in a happy life? How could you think that that course it followed was going to result in peace and happiness? How could you not? Now look, my eyes are closed. I'm not, I'm not, I'm not looking around. I have no one in mind. I'm not picking on anyone. I'm, I'm thinking back to a, a Friday afternoon or a Saturday night out dealing with unsafe people. Did it never occur to you that if you brand yourself from head to toe and put washers in your ears and spikes through your nose, that maybe when you're 40 years old, you will still be looking for your first good job. Yeah. <laughs> now, if you try to get that across to someone who's engaged in that behavior, they don't understand that what they're doing today has some consequences. Yeah. Right? If you talk to young people in the high school and show them all the statistics on teen pregnancy, on the depression and suicide resulting from teen pregnancy, on social diseases and sexually transmitted diseases, you can give them all the information and they will walk out of that room having heard only one thing. Some old prude came in here and tried to mess up our lives with a bunch of rules. Right? Completely void of understanding. 
Now, you, you look at politics, look at education, look at entertainment, I don't care where you look, there's one thing about this culture they don't seem to understand. That if you go from point A to point B, you're likely to end up at point C. That's where this road's going. They don't understand that. And the reason is, from the very day they were shipped off to that federal school, they were taught they are an evolutionary accident. And there's nothing higher than themselves. If you could ever get the people of this world to look up into heaven, something higher than themselves, something more powerful than themselves, their understanding might return. That's our great challenge. To go into this world, whether it's your job or your or contacts from day to day or, your, or the school that you attend, you've got to understand you're dealing with people who think they are one more species of animal. They All of their gaze is horizontal. They have no uplook. There's nothing up there. And it's our duty and our responsibility to try our best to turn them to the heights of heaven that they might behold. Almighty God the Creator. And maybe, just maybe, at that point they'll begin to understand <coughs> that the things they're doing, they don't have to do it. The things they're doing have consequences in there and, and so forth. Okay, so keep reading. He says in verse number 34, my understanding returned unto me, and I bless the Most High. And I praised and honored him that liveth forever, whose dominion is an everlasting dominion. And his kingdom is from generation to generation. And all the inhabitants of the earth are reputed as nothing. And he doeth according to his will in the army of heaven and among the inhabitants of the earth. And none can stay his hand or say unto him, What doest thou? At the same time, my reason returned unto me. And the glory of my, and for, the, for the glory of my kingdom, mine honor, and brightness returned unto me, and my counselors and my Lord sought unto me, and I was established in my kingdom, and excellent majesty was added unto me. Now, now I, Nebuchadnezzar, praise and extol and honor the King of heaven, all whose works are truth, and his ways judgment, and those that walk in pride, he is able to abase. Now, Nebuchadnezzar learned that the hard way. We can learn it the easy way just by reading it in the Bible. Okay? Now, here's, here's my problem. My problem is if I begin to look at the Nebuchadnezzars of our day, they seem to have power. They seem to have influence. They seem to be accomplishing the devil's will. But when I look up, my understanding returns, and I realize that God could remove Amen. any dictator, any president, any nation, any king from this earth as simply as you can flick a crumb off your dining room table. He's king of heaven. He rules over all. And whatever Castro is doing, or, or Kim 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 in North Korea is doing, or, or whoever the IFT 
told a towel head in Iran, whatever they're doing, as soon as the Lord wants to, all he has to do is lean down toward the table and, and scatter the crumbs for the dogs to eat. Our God is king. And I believe that we live in a day when Christians have as much trouble looking upward as non-believers do. Drudge is an entirely horizontal look. Alex Jones is an entirely horizontal look. Fox and CNN are entirely horizontal looks. And if you look long enough, the direction they're looking, you'll say, wow, those are big bad guys. But if you would look up, your understanding would return. And you would realize that God had no trouble with Nebuchadnezzar. He had no trouble with Pharaoh. He had no trouble with Goliath. He had no trouble with Pilate. He had no trouble with... Look, he can clear the board anytime he wants to. He is the king. And I am, I am, by the grace of God, I am not going to live in the fear that comes from looking at man. I'm going to live in the victory that comes from looking up to the King of Heaven. And He is King. And He can clean this thing up anytime He wants to. I believe that. You saw things never been this bad in America. Uh, you weren't living in Columbia in 1864. It's pretty bad. You know, look, look, look. An army comes through and burns all your houses down, burns all your farms down, and well, this is it. It can't get any worse than this. The Lord has to come. You weren't living in the cities of the north during the Great Depression. Men were throwing themselves out of windows and standing in lines and soup kitchens and, and freezing in the cold because they had not. They, well, things can't get any worse. The Lord's going to come. Listen, God cleaned this thing out anytime He wants to. Get rid of Lincoln, and get rid of Johnson, and get rid of Coolidge, and get rid of Hoover, and get rid of FDR, and get rid of the one thing house of Austin. They come and they go. There's one thing constant. King of heaven. King of heaven. He's outlasted everybody that tried to overthrow his dominion. And he'll outlast them all. Who's your king of heaven? Who you trust in that? Who's the Lord? Who has dominion? Now, you know what he did? He let Nebuchadnezzar have a throne. He took him off the throne. He put him back on the throne. To do what? Just to show. I'm God. I can, I can, I can advance a bishop. I can pull a bishop back. I can move a rope over here. I can pull a rope back. I can move a king over there. I can move a king over there. I can move a queen up. I can move a queen back. I'm God. We can do about it. And when I'm done, I'll just dump all the pieces in a box and close it up. He's God. You know how this thing's going to turn out? Which one? Things can't get any worse. You know how it's going to turn out? Revelation 17, the entire world is going to give their love and adoration to a filthy harlot. So things can't get any worse. One of that. Revelation 17, the whole world worshipped this woman, the Bible describes as the mother of harlots, 
and, is, and characterizes her as full of filthiness. There it is. The world's worship and adoration. And then you turn to page, one page, Revelation 18. And the whole world's lamenting and mourning and wailing because in one hour, one hour, God brought her down. That's where we're going. We're heading to the place where the whole world thinks the greatest thing on earth is a filthy heart. Now, it sounds like Hollywood. It sounds like the, the uh, Grammy Awards. It sounds like, you know, a night at the bar room. That's where we're headed. But that's not where it stops. It stops with the king of heaven saying, okay, I've proved my point. That's the human race without my government. <coughs> Enough of that. Clears the board, comes and takes over, establishes a thousand year reign of peace and righteousness. He's the king. He's the king. So the more time you can spend looking at the king, the less time you can spend looking around the little Nebuchadnezzar to the world, the more peace you're going to have, the more righteousness you're going to have. It's the only way to get it. Psalm 24. Psalm number 24. Psalm 24. Hope you pray for Sister Jan. She's been with us since the day we started. And in the time, in the years since I first met Jan, two things have been consistent. She has always been witnessing for Jesus. And she has always identified the real Antichrist this time. <laughs> She's probably had an absolute substantiated proof of at least 20 men since 1985 who were the Antichrist. I just tell it like it is. Here it is. Here's the proof. Those men come, those men go. You know what? You go about to see Jan tomorrow. She's still witnessing for Jesus. And she's not aware of any of those guys that are troubling her. You know something? One day it'll be that way for all of us. All those big bad guys, all those scary monsters that came up out of the deep and walked out of the darkness and said, Boo, Christian, boo! One day they'll all be forgotten. And all that we'll remember is the King of Heaven ruling and reigning. And in fact, the Bible says, but the Lord sets up his kingdom, the names of those gods and the names of those that have dominion will never be spoken again. He's not just going to rid the earth of them. He's going to rid the earth of their memory. Yeah. What a blessing. What a blessing. All right, Psalm 24. Psalm 24, the Bible says, verse 7. Lift up your heads, O ye gates. Be lift up, ye everlasting doors, and the King of glory Amen. shall come in. Who is this King of glory? The Lord strong and mighty. The Lord mighty in battle. Lift up your heads, O ye gates. Even lift them up, ye everlasting doors, and the King of glory shall come in. Who is this King of glory? The Lord of hosts. He is the King of glory. Selah. Over and over and over and over again. The King of glory. The King of glory. 
He, so he's the king of, earth, of, of the Jews. He's the king of the saints. He's the king of the earth. He's the king of heaven. He's the king of glory. From one end of this creation to the other, Jesus Christ is king. That's fine with me. I'm glad to be subject to a king like that. All right, Revelation 19. Revelation chapter, no, no, stop at John on the way by. John chapter 1. Almost left this one out. John chapter number 1. John 1, verse 48. John 1, 48. Nathanael <coughs> saith unto him, Whence knowest thou me? Jesus answered and said unto him, Before the Philip called thee, when thou wast under the fig tree, I saw thee. Nathanael answered and saith unto him, Rabbi, thou art the Son of God. Thou art the King of Israel. Now, this is a blessing. If you go back and read the book of Genesis, whenever the father of the nation was acting in the flesh, he's called Jacob. On those rare occasions when he was acting by faith, he was called Israel. Israel is the name of the king of David, the ten northern tribes, but you get that New Testament. The Jews. Jesus is the king of the Jews. That's the race. But he's also king of Israel. That's the nation in belief. And there is coming a day, it's a small remnant that will survive that tribulation. But there's coming a day when the king of the Jews will be the king of Israel. That nation will be converted. That nation will believe on their Messiah. That nation will repent, having said his blood be on us and on our children. That nation that said we have no king but Caesar will one day welcome the true king. When they do, he's gracious and merciful. Forgive and pardon them. And the king of the Jews is also the king of the Jews. All right, Revelation 19. Here's what we're looking forward to. Revelation chapter number 19. Verse number 10. And I fell at his feet to worship him. And he said unto me, Sit thou know it not, I am thy fellow servant of thy brethren that have the testimony of Jesus. Worship God. For the testimony of Jesus is the spirit of prophecy. And I saw heaven open. And behold, a flying saucer. No, no. I saw heaven open. Behold, a white horse. And he that sat upon it was called faithful and true. And in righteousness he doth judge and make war. Now, how about that? Righteous and judge. Truth. Do I need to say it again? The people of this nation lack understanding. Righteousness is at war with unrighteousness. And truth is at war with falsehood. And Jesus Christ is faithful and true. And when heaven opens and he gets on that white horse, 
the king of peace will head this way. And because he is the king of righteousness, he will have to clean house before there can be peace. That's how it is. That's how it will be. Verse 12. His eyes was a flame of fire, and on his head were many crowns. And he had a name written that no man knew but he himself. And he was clothed in vesture dipped in blood. And his name is called the Word of God. What an interesting comparison. You know why we're saved? Because we believe the Word of God. You know why you have eternal life? Because you believe the Word of God. By the time the church is taken out, those seven years of tribulation have run their course. The Bible says in verse 12, he has a name that no man knows. And the next verse says his name is the Word of God. Well, I just think during the tribulation, you can think whatever you want. They're not studying the Bible. They're trying to survive. They're not building churches. They're running for their lives and hiding. It's not going to be seven years of, of biblical enlightenment. It's going to be seven years of mass bloodshed, death, and extermination. And when Jesus gets back, the only word left will be the one riding on that white horse. Aren't you glad you live in a day when you can hold the Bible in your hands? Go home tonight and read it. Get up tomorrow morning and read it. Wonderful thing. So the Bible says, verse number 14, The armies which were in heaven followed him upon white horses, clothed in fine linen, white and clean. Out of his mouth goeth a sharp sword, that with it he should smite the nations. And he shall rule them with a rod of iron. And he treadeth the winepress of the fierceness and wrath of Almighty God. And he hath on his vesture and on his thigh a name written, King of kings and Lord of lords. There he is. He's the king of glory. Oh, look, look, he's coming down. He's the king of heaven. Oh, look, look, he's coming down. He's the king of saints. Oh, look, look, he's the king over all the earth. Oh, look, look, he's the king of the Jews. Oh, look, he's the king of Israel. And he establishes that kingdom now he's the king of kings. Now he's the lord of lords. Well, if when, when he comes back, if he's going to destroy all opposition forces, then how can he be the king of kings? Revelation chapter 1. Revelation chapter 1. Verse number 5. No, verse 4. John of the seven churches. Are you saved in front of the church? Amen. Verse 5. From Jesus Christ, who is the faithful witness, the first begotten of the dead, the prince of the kings of the earth, on him that loved us and washed us from our sins in his own blood, and hath made us kings and priests unto God and his Father. To him be glory and dominion forever and ever. Here he comes on the white horse. Who's coming behind him? Saints, rapture, judgment seat of Christ, cleansed, purified.
purified, glorified, made like Christ, now become, what are we? He's made us all kings and he's made us all priests. And when he sets up his kingdom, an entire generation of kings acknowledges that he is their king. He's the king of kings. He's the Lord of lords. Will you reign, some, some of you? Will you reign over cities in that kingdom? The Bible said you would. Will you have dominion and authority over cities? The Bible said you would. But every lord over any community on the face of this earth will acknowledge Jesus Christ is the Lord of lords. Jesus Christ is the King of kings. That's all right. It's all right. Everybody's different. I, I don't know that in a lot of areas my negativity and cynicism is a great advantage. But when it comes to being disappointed by the heroes and saviors and messiahs of this earth, it's done me quite well. I never had any hope that a team winning a Super Bowl was going to change the fate of America. I never had any hope that a certain man winning an election was going to, going to save the, the planet from ruin. I never had any hope that, that, that if John Lennon would just write a song about atheism, we could all live together happily ever after. I, I never held such hopes. But one day, put my faith and trust in Jesus Christ. And I didn't have any other kings to get off of any thrones. But it sure was glad to have, good to have one to put on the throne. And to realize that whatever tomorrow's headlines may be, he's going to reign. He's going to establish his kingdom. And once he does, there'll be no end to it. My answer to every rocket fired by Hezbollah. And every grenade launched by a Syrian, and every suicide bomber slipping across the border from Jordan or Saudi Arabia or wherever he can, my answer to all of them is, you can try all you want. A Jew's going to sit on the throne. And any of you that are left alive to see it will bow, not to Mecca, but to Jesus. He's the king of kings. And one day, one day, when every eye shall see him, the light and splendor of the glory of God, it is them that you will behold the secret wisdom of the ancients. When the headstone of the corner comes down, out of heaven, you'll say, you know what? Those guys weren't illumined ones. They were dwellers in darkness. Here comes the light of the world, King Jesus, to rule and to reign. He'll come, he'll come whether you greet him with a secret handshake or not. He'll come whether you know the mystery words or not. He'll come whether you want him to come or don't want him to come. He's the King of Kings. And he's going to land on this earth. He's going to establish his throne. He's going to rule and reign. And with the increase of his kingdom, the increase of his government, there shall be no end. Praise the Lord. When I was a young Christian, I'm not, I'm not finding fault. It's helped me in witnessing a little bit. When I was a young Christian, I, I, I probably read, folks, if you stack them all side by side, that thick, 
on the Masons, Latin, from near the wall on the popes and their power and, and all that they do, and then all the history books. And, you know, you read that stuff, you think, man, man, i got to do something about that. Somebody needs to take some action. But then I just I get back to this book. The Lord say, somebody's going to do something about it. Somebody's going to take some action. And when Jesus gets back, there'll be no more lodges. There'll be no more pagodas. There'll be no more shrines. There'll be nothing. Just everything that has breath, praise the Lord. Now, what happens to you now then? Likely to be unpleasant. Bible's true. Likely to be unpleasant. And whatever you do to make things a little more pleasant, your, your brief sojourn on earth, I don't find any fault with you for doing it. But if you want to live without fear of man, you've got to get your vision off this horizontal plane where all you see are the kings of men. And get your eyes lifted up and behold the king of glory. He'll take away your fear of man. He's everlasting. They called his name Jesus. Little did they know. Little did they know that that one laying in that manger will one day ride in on a white horse and take the whole thing away. But he will. But he will. So you believe that? Absolutely. All my heart, I can believe it anymore. If I didn't believe it, I'd be bald and most miserable. I'd have no hope whatsoever. Because there's no hope anywhere else. No hope anywhere else. My father-in-law, for years, he stood down near where the music store is now. He had a sign that said, no hope in the Pope, only Jesus saves. And people get offended, and they'd come up and say, what do you mean no hope in the Pope? And he'd say, tell me, is there any hope in the Pope? Well, no, but I don't like your sign in the People are offended by obvious truth. One day, Jesus will travel all the offenses in this world. You like this, you not like it, take it over. He's the king. Racial king, king of saints, king of righteousness, king of peace, king of Israel, spiritual king, historical king, heaven's king, supernal king, king of kings. Praise the Lord. Father, thank you for setting your son on the throne. Father, thank you for giving him absolute dominion, all power in heaven and on earth. Lord, would you deliver us from the fear of today's Nebuchadnezzars? Take us, Lord, into the certainty and assurance of knowing that your king will reign. Forever and forever. In his name we pray.